Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with the executive editor of Newsbusters, your host, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the Columbus Day Energy at Newsbusters. I remembered this when suddenly I was like, the interstate is so wide open this morning. Oh yeah, federal holiday. We do not take this one off, but we do remember the Indigenous People Day Energy. It goes way back as we continue to mark the 35th anniversary of the MRC. Days like this remind me of the best notable quotables of 1992. Oh yes, it rattles around in my brain, old stupid quotes. It was about 30 years ago in the spring of 1992 when the vaunted earth worshipers at Time Magazine put out a print magazine advertisement with the following message. This is all in caps. Nature has a cure for everything except the spread of Western civilization. (laughs) Western civilization, it's a virus. It continued, not in caps, until recently, cultural genocide has been a quietly accepted practice. But times change, and so does time. An ad in the April 27, 1992, Sports Illustrated, promoting an issue titled Lost Tribes, Lost Knowledge. Well, joining us to celebrate Elizabeth Warren Indigenous Peoples Day, Jorge Bonilla of MRC Latino. Hey, Jorge, I noticed our friend Mike Gonzalez was tweeting about Columbus Day on Twitter. Very, very important to note, um, Columbus discovered the Americas, but it was the Spanish crown that sent Christopher Columbus. Columbus <laughs> didn't just grab those three ships in 1492 and and, and sail on his own. He, he was heavily funded and armed and, and sourced by the Spanish crown, King Ferdinand, Queen Isabella. So this could uh, be like a Hispanic who, Heritage Month thing. It, basically it is. I'm appropriating it for Hispanic Heritage Month, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Just well, before got, I came well, we in here. Five I, days, see, this is, this is the thing about Hispanic Heritage Month. Why does this have to start on a half a month, Tim? Yeah. Why can't we get a full month starting on the first of the month which, and then running to the 30th or the 31st of the month? But no. What they did was, and this is, this is a little known fact, they, they started and, and I, I don't have, we don't have the, the bandwidth and the time to get into the whole thing on Hispanic Heritage Month, about how the Latino identity is is synthetic and was manufactured and created. Um, But what they did with Hispanic Heritage Month is that they wrapped it around Mexican Independence Day and and there were some other days, some other countries whose Independence Day is is right around the middle of September. Mm -hmm. So they started it on, on, on the middle of September, so it coincides with those Independence Days and that's why it runs into into mid October, mm. which on October first, you had you had the beginning of, of I think it's a, it's a gay Pride Heritage Month. You didn't know this because we do Pride in June, mm-hmm. but the actual Gay Heritage Month is in October, and they get a month starting on October first and running all the way through October thirty first. That means they get two months. They get two months. <laughs> That's, so if if you want to know if you want to see who the apex minority is. In the United States. Take note of that. <laughs> Take notice of that. 
I just discovered a Twitter account called CNN Underscored, which apparently is a, is sort of a commercial get some money for CNN shopping site. Hmm. And their tweet today was, Eva Longoria tells you her, her for Hispanic Heritage Month, her favorite Latinx products. No. Oh. Oh God! <laughs> now I'm trolling you. Oh God! <laughs> with the Latinx. Well, with the with the Lat- yeah with the uh, yeah with this word that that one percent it polls consistently and the one percent it's funny because when when I see polling out there for me that's like a content goldmine any any anytime anybody polls Hispanics like the question is how do you identify do you identify as Hispanic do you identify as Latino. Do you identify as hyphen, whatever, American, or as Latinx? And Latinx gets like that 1% <laughs> every time. That's a content gold. Tim, you know, that's a content goldmine for me. Yes. If somebody if somebody polls Latinx and Latinx gets 1% or 2%, that's like half a day on Twitter for me gone. <laughs> and with well, apologies to Mr. Baker if he's hearing this. But that, that's like a half a day gone on Twitter right there. If, if Latinx polls 1% or 2%. Um, and then when they don't poll it, I get mad. Well, this this should be in the corporate plan. Jorge Bonilla is going to spend several days of his week trolling on Latinx. Uh, trolling on Latinx. Well, we we you know what? But the time has come. We've that's that's soon going to come into an end because we we've driven it sufficiently into the ground and and stopped its momentum. Not just me, but a whole bunch of other uh, notable Hispanics uh, on social media and elsewhere. Um, have have driven the term Latinx uh, almost into oblivion. So that's only that's only gonna gonna run for for a limited time. Well, let's run through some of the things that uh, you and Kathleen have been doing at MRC Latino. Uh, this was interesting. You have some uh, some added up coverage here since April, when Texas Governor Greg Abbott sent the first bus to D.C. of what do they call them now? Asylum seekers. Uh, Telemundo, Telemundo Univision, CNN and Espanol, and Estrella TV have all flooded their national newscasts with close to four hours of coverage. That's, that's, that's big. That's a lot of coverage. That's a lot of coverage. Um, basically, the networks are outraged that um, these, these migrants or asylum seekers or illegal aliens, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them, or illegal border crossers, um, the networks are outraged that these southern border states would would have the gall and have the temerity of, of putting the, this excess flow of migrants on the buses and ship them out to sanctuary cities up north. I guess they want everybody to stay in Texas and stay in Arizona, and there's no consideration of, of the undue burden that this border crisis is put on those states and those locales. Well, so you have you have a, a mayor like like Eric Adams out of New York mm-hmm. talking about we're not prepared and we don't have the resources and we don't have. Well, hello, uh, Del Rio, Texas would like a word with you. Eagle Pass, Texas would like a word with you. McAllen would like a word for you uh, with you. Tucson, Arizona. It goes on and on and on. These locales are not ready for the influx of migrants. These locales are unduly burdened uh, in their government, in their infrastructure, in their their systems or educational systems. So it's only fair if you're going to get out there and, and sell 
this image of yourself as a sanctuary city, then it's time for you to step up and, and help with this undue burden. And these networks are mad that that happened. Well, and, it, you know, the conspiracy theory on the right would be that they want to keep all of the asylum seekers in Texas and Arizona and other states. They want to turn purple and then blue. That probably doesn't come up a lot. It does. Uh, well, you, you never hear about that unless it's mentioned um, adversely, unless it is it is done in the process of maybe imputing an ill motive to somebody who who, who is opposed to, to this constant inflow of migrants, then you'll hear that. Uh, but otherwise, you don't hear that sort of thing. They get very upset at the idea that the Democrats are importing voters. Um, and yet we know that that's got to be part of the intention. I, and they get, they love going on these tears about how you know, white voters are upset that, you know, the replacement theory and all of this sort of thing. So, you know, it, it is one of those things that they don't seem to want to be held accountable for the burdens. I mean, that goes back to when we, we studied this in the Bush years is the English language networks don't want to cover the burden of legal immigration on schools, on the court system, on hospitals, on the welfare agencies. None of it. Uh, and, of course, as you know, the center of most immigration coverage is Enrique just wants to come out of the shadows. It's always it's always the sympathetic illegal alien facing the villain, which would be in, you know, the Minutemen in lawn chairs at the border or something. But, you know, when you look at this polling now that, that you see now that you see a lot now that there's a greater interest him in, in polling Hispanics. You see in greater numbers, Hispanics are opposed to, to this border disaster and, and, and how the, the federal government is handling the border disaster. And the dirty little secret is that there is a whole infrastructure in place that depends on a constant influx of anywhere from one and a half to two and a half million people into this country, whether legally or otherwise, mostly Spanish dominant. We... Uh, at MRC Latino, we caught Jorge Ramos saying almost exactly those things when he went to Harvard. This was in 2015, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. He went to Harvard, Harvard Kennedy School of Government. He addressed his daughter Paola's class at the at the fellow class at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government. And among the other things that he said, this was in the Q&A after he'd given his speech. And Jorge Ramos is a big firm believer in demography is destiny and all that, even yes. though... Even though even Rui Teixeira, who, who coined the term, ended up eating his own words and he backed off on that and quickly left the Center of American for, Progress, for American Progress and joined AEI. Jorge Ramos said as much when they, they asked him, what about the future of Spanish language TV? And he said, Spanish language TV in the United States will be secure so long as we have one and a half to two million immigrants coming in year after year, the majority Spanish, uh, Spanish dominant Spanish speaking, whether or not they're here legally, we have a cultural system in place that we did not have for the for the Italians, for the Polish, for the Germans that is in place now or Hispanics that sort of fosters this this tie or, or these ties to the old country. And that's where Spanish language media comes in. They depend entirely on 
on uh, on this constant inflow of immigrants so that then you can advocate for and you notice with the advocacy out there is for comprehensive immigration reform. That's not going to solve this problem, Tim. That's not going to solve the visa overstays. That's not going to solve the, uh, you know, the, the dreamers situation. Yeah. That's not going to solve their parents that came before them. It's only going to make it worse. And when you consider you have roughly about a quarter of a million unaccompanied minors that have come over the border in this last batch, that's. 250,000 potential new DACA beneficiaries. Um, so that's the system that benefits from having this broken border. Well, this raises the question. We just had the federal a federal judge proclaim the obvious, which is Obama can't make border policy on his own when it came to DACA. Uh, he can't do that by executive fiat. I assume, was this covered or not covered by your the networks you monitor? There, there, they were always covered. The, the, anything pertaining to DACA, anything pertaining to uh, to immigration reform, uh, immigration in general, is going to get significant coverage. It's going to get a block coverage. So when uh, I believe it was the Fifth Circuit of Appeal when they when they issued this ruling and sent it back and sent DACA back to Judge Hain, and uh, yes, it was it was certainly covered. Um, not just immigration, but of course. Because these networks need Democrat politicians in power in order to get the regulatory relief that they need, uh, they advocate for the rest of the liberal policy poo poo platter. So you don't just get immigration, you get abortion, you get gay marriage, euthanasia, uh, Biden's fiscal policies, the climate uh, stuff, you name it. Those networks are always going to be to the left, to the far left of the constituency that they claim to serve in service of the broader immigration agenda, which is what's going to keep them in business. Well, and this would explain their hostility to Ron DeSantis. You're the governor of your state of Florida. Uh, You had a fun clip when the Martha's Vineyard thing happened that uh, Christina Londonio said said that uh, actually mentioned there are people who we're angry at the Biden administration. They don't want the migrants here, but they don't want to speak on camera because they don't want to be depicted as inhumane. The, the fact is that you had, you know, you had, uh, th- th- there was this whole show made at Martha's Vineyard of, oh, look at these welcoming liberals that they will do the things that Texas and Arizona won't do. <laughs> and, you know, and of For course, 48 that lasted hours. Yeah, that lasted for, for what, 24, 48 hours, and then they got sent to Joint Base Cape Cod. And by the way, the migrants are off of Joint Base Cape Cod. God knows where they are now. They're in the wind probably somewhere in Boston or, or wherever else, but they're off of Cape Cod. Um, but Christina Londonio was the only correspondent to call it fair and square and to point out some of the, uh, some of the uh, absurdities of, of what happened when these migrants landed at Martha's Vineyard. Like one thing that she reported was the fact that they raised money, this wealthy enclave raised money uh, to provide items for, for these migrants. And since there wasn't a Walmart or a Target in Martha's Vineyard, somebody had to go and buy some very high-end uh, underwear for, for one of the, uh, it was, uh, Londonio described it as a boutique so I'm going to assume that they don't sell men's underwear necessarily at a boutique. So 
somebody's uh, walking around in some very high-end lingerie that was provided by the Martha's Vineyard residents. Londonio covered this angle. And yes, she also talked about the NIMBYs in Martha's Vineyard who were not at all happy that that these that the migrants were there, that they were, uh, quote, taking resources from the locals, uh, taking shelter and potentially jobs from the locals at a time. When, when you have people that are leaving the island due to lack of economic opportunities. So she was very uh, honest and, and, uh, and fair in, in covering the full spectrum of opinion regarding Martha's Vineyard as opposed to uh, this very rosy-hued coverage of, of the local welcome party that was thrown. Well, maybe that wasn't necessarily the case. And then there's Hurricane Ian where the governor of Florida is always portrayed as anti-immigrant and to the point where they somehow almost sounded pro-looting the you said the scripts at both networks went from accusing DeSantis of seizing on the arrest of looters in order to trash undocumented migrants to hinting the thieves were acting on their emotions to saying for a fact that DeSantis had not seen the recovery efforts involving tens and hundreds of Hispanics it's it's uh, sometimes madness the 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 extent of the pro immigration advocacy that you'll see on these networks is is almost comical sometimes and when we when you know when we saw that that these um, illegals were busted for for looting we were like oh god uh, we 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 just knew it was coming we just knew it was coming and sure enough um, we we saw the whole range of, of people covered. As, uh, you know, first of all, there was a justification of their motives. Oh, my God, they've lost everything. What more do you expect to these? Uh, can you imagine the cruelty of Ron DeSantis depicting these people as illegals and saying that he wanted to send them back where they came from? Well, what do you expect? They were looting. They were looting after a category four and a half hurricane had just flattened southwest Florida. It's a once in a 500 year storm. It was it was the, the, the flooding was crazy. It was, you know, parts of, of the state were wiped off the map. Sanibel Island, which is uh, where I, I like to vacation. Uh, in fact, the, the vacation property that I, that I last visited completely flattened, you know, and th- this is not the time. And if you have people running around looting and, and you know, people are going to get very upset about that and take that into their own hands. And these networks, unfortunately, in their unbridled advocacy, they got mad that people were called what they were, illegal alien looters. Well, that's what they were. That's what they did, and that's what they were doing, so that's the proper term to describe them. But you'd think that calling things by their, well, we know, that calling things by their name uh, in our media can sometimes be very problematic, and this was just one more such case. Yeah, obviously, when a what they consider a harmful racist stereotype actually occurs, then they have to sort of fight reality. But in in doing so, they're they're working right into this notion that somehow they're pro crime. I don't want to say they're pro crime, but boy, they sure seem to be sympathetic to to looters. Now. Yeah, what does that say about a news network when they seem more sympathetic to looters than people who've lost their property in a hurricane? They, they've lost focus. It says that they've lost focus and they've lost a plot. And at some point, they, they abdicate their, their role of journalist in order to become 
advocate, pro-immigration advocate. And that's why I've said for years that, that these Spanish language media networks oftentimes more, uh, operate as pro-immigration super PACs with a broadcast license. Mm-hmm. And that's and those are the and I'll, I'll tell you one more thing about harmful stereotypes. Eva Longoria going on CNN on, on CNN's Twitter and talking about the Latinx shopping. That's a harmful stereotype. <laughs> that's a harmful stereotype, more so than calling out illegal alien looters. Well, at least she's buying it. <laughs> the goods. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe they were maybe they were handed it to her. You know the way this works. Maybe like, she got oh, comp. That's influenced her comp. Yeah, I don't rich, know. Rich, famous know. people. They're saying, please endorse our product. Here, have some. Yeah. The uh, speaking of this, this reminds me of we're talking about hurricanes in Florida and Puerto Rico. It was five years ago around this time where there was Hurricane Maria. President Trump was captured tossing rolls of paper towels to people. CNN found this horribly demeaning. Uh, And, you know, so now we have Joe and Jill Biden going to Puerto Rico (laughs) And he makes this weird comment about how he grew up politically with the Puerto Ricans. Just give a listen to this. We have the eighth largest black population in the country, and between all minorities, we have 20% of our state is minority. And so I, uh, I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home. I don't know how to process this. I know that factcheck.org did a very long piece trying to assert that there was a Puerto Rican influx into Wilmington. I mean, they're just trying to to defend strange things that Biden says. I'm sorry, but half of 1% or whatever it is, it does not constitute an influx. Yeah. That's more... That's more accurately a dribble from Philadelphia that ended up in Wilmington. But that is no influx. Um, and if I could just revisit some some history, Tim, as you said, uh, when, when Hurricane Maria flattened Puerto Rico, a lot of hay was made about Donald Trump uh, and the paper towels. That goes to show you the power of disinformation, of actual disinformation. At MRC Latino, we, um, my, my predecessor, Ken Oliver, actually got eyewitness testimony from somebody who was there at that event where uh, where the paper towel thing happened. And to make a long story short, what happened was that the event was disorganized. President Trump was, was handing out relief supplies and there were people in the back that were asking him for stuff. He was about to go and he was pressed for time and he wanted to, you know, Donald Trump's a man of the people. He's, a, he's, he's gregarious, he's engaging, he's, and also he's spontaneous, which can be a nightmare for handlers. And what happens is, which when you think about the rationale, it, it, it's a lot better that he threw a paper towel than say a can of, of you know, cream of corn or something uh, and potentially hit somebody. But in, in his effort to reach out to, to the people in the back, he lobs this, this roll of paper towel, which in, in, in Puerto Rican culture, the throwing of somebody to someone like that is considered disrespectful, but to impute the ill motive to impute the ill motive, you you would have to believe that Donald Trump got with a staffer en route to Puerto Rico and asked, well, what can I do to insult these people? <laughs> What's the most insulting thing I can do on the plane ride over there? And he got an answer and he found a way to work it into his short trip. And I, I can't even begin 
to, to consider the, the amount of suspension of disbelief that that would require. But it was reported as fact. People, even though it didn't, it didn't, they tried to make political hay out of it, even though it had no effect. Uh, it had no effect in the 2018 election in Florida, even though they tried to milk it. Uh, and as a matter of fact, Rick Scott won the Senate, the Senate election against Bill Nelson. He won it by 10,000 votes. 9,800 of those votes were in Puerto Rican precincts in Orange and Osceola counties. <laughs> so, so that should have been the end of the paper towel talk right there. But they tried to work it again in 2020. Donald Trump improved, actually, his performance within the Puerto Rican community. That goes to show you, although it, it had no effect, but that goes to show you how far disinformation can go. Now, when you contrast that to Joe Biden's visit, yeah. And he says this thing about growing up in the Puerto Rican community. I'll tell you, it was roundly mocked <laughs> in Puerto Rico. It was soundly, soundly mocked. And, and the event was so carefully choreographed and stage managed. Um, I'll give you a little bit of insight here. Normally, when you fly to Puerto Rico for events like these, you fly into San Juan. Right. And then from there, that's where you made your military. You got Fort Buchanan nearby. You got the big airport. You got the governor's mansion. You got every, and then from there, you go to wherever else you're going to go on the island. But this was so carefully stage managed by the White House and by GFR Media. GFR Media owns the largest, uh, they're like they're the largest media company on the island. Okay. They have two daily newspapers, a large digital imprint, and that same family um, oversees. The the, uh, the 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 relief center, if you will, where the Bidens were distributing supplies. So the entire thing was choreographed, stage managed in order to manufacture the appearance of Biden as a caring, empathetic executive um, in order to avoid any gaffes in the distribution of supplies. The first lady of Puerto Rico was on Jill Biden shadowing her she was literally on joe biden like white on rice throughout this entire event it was so choreographed so stage managed and yet uncle joe still manages to get off yeah. uh, yet he did not disappoint i knew that somewhere the bidens were going to give me magic uh and he says this thing about growing up in the puerto rican community the media however did not cover this one the way they covered taco gate so you didn't see it on Univision. You didn't see it on Telemundo. You didn't see it on any of the networks beyond Fox News or, or Newsmax or some of our other conservative media. Uh, it was very well stifled and suppressed, but it was roundly, roundly mocked in Puerto Rico. That's really interesting. I mean, that you have the largest media company in Puerto Rico managing the president's visit. I mean, I wouldn't know how else to describe it, but... You know, you you have pictures of of one of the board members with with uh, Biden after with the Bidens after the fact, and with the governor. I mean, this this thing was very it was very well choreographed. That's why they flew into Ponce, not very far from the from the relief center. They flew, uh, you know, they flew there. They they hopped on on a, on a helicopter tour the damage. Didn't talk to any of the mayors of any of the of the affected uh, cities that saw such significant damage. Um, you know, it was very, it was a short two or three hour visit 
in and out. It, it was almost like like the purpose of the visit was to show your face and do no harm. And there was this announcement of the $60 million um, and, and some other things. But overall, it uh, locally, it, the visit did not really sit all that well. It was just about domestic news coverage where they said, oh, the Bidens went to Puerto Rico. Isn't that and they nice? were empathetic. After they and they didn't throw Florida. paper. Basically, the, the gist of it was the Bidens didn't throw paper towels. Yeah. Um, but Mr. that was offset Mr. by Mr. President, do not touch the paper towels. Do not squeeze the bounty. Look, my 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 rationale was this. If Biden didn't say anything egregious or if he didn't sniff, get caught sniffing a kid's hair <laughs> in, in Puerto Rico, then then it, it was going to be a plus. It was going to be OK. It was a do no harm. So but but he managed to say that he grew up among the Puerto Rican community. So that that threw all of that into the garbage can. I wanted to get to this since we're discussing the Bidens. I was a little bit amazed at some of the B-roll that they did on Hunter Biden. They, at least they're touching on Hunter Biden. Um, but, you know, talking about Hunter Biden potentially being uh, charged criminally by the Justice Department using clips of Joe and Hunter Biden coming out of church is is quite something. I looked this up. This is apparently that was a thing of beauty. This is apparently from August when the Bidens were on vacation at some Democrat donor's house. They were staying for free in South Carolina. And not only that, one of the channels was it ran the church bells as they came out. I think it was Telemundo ran ran that. <laughs> NBC Look, owned Telemundo. Yes, look, the, the Latino media, uh, I have to say, have been very, well, just like the rest of the media, have been very reluctant in covering the Hunter Biden scandal. Very reluctant. Uh, now, mind you, and I've said this often, if the son of the president of Mexico so much as breaks wind the wrong way. <laughs> Was there a right way? Be, yeah, that's going to be, oh, of course there is. That's going to be guaranteed <laughs> Two and a half minutes on a block. <laughs> and in many cases, they'll open the newscast with that. Like when when the son of President Lopez Obrador, I guess they found that that he was staying in a house in Houston that was owned uh, by by some some uh, executive at the at the National Mexican uh, Petroleum Company. And they made a big deal out of this. They wanted to say corruption and they they reported the corruption angle. And this was extensively reported. For days on end, they wouldn't talk about anything but Lopez Obrador's son hmm. on domestic U.S. newscasts. But you have the son of the president of the United States who, in a cocaine and crack binge, ad abandons his laptop at a repair shop. Mm -hmm. La said laptop containing a treasure trove of information. And there's nary a peep about it. Well, CNN and Espanol did something on it. They said it was Russian disinformation. Yeah. But nobody else talked about it. <laughs> nobody else talked about it. And now they're very reluctantly having to talk about it now that Hunter Biden is entertaining potential federal charges, both on tax evasion and on uh, the gun charge. But again, these these networks did not get into the details of why Hunter Biden faces a tax liability because of all this foreign work that he's doing, mm -hmm. right? Right. And they're not talking about the, the meat of the gun charges, which, as we know, 
is the fact that based on Hunter Biden's ATF form 4473 that he filled out in 2018, you've got the question there of are you well, basically, are you a drug addict or are you on drugs? Do you have a drug problem? Mm-hmm. And with his teeth falling off because of all the crack he smoked, <laughs> and with cocaine residue dripping off his nose, he answered no. <laughs> now, Mr. Graham, I'd like to remind you and everybody else within earshot that lying on an ATF form forty-four seventy-three is a felony, punishable by up to ten years in federal prison and by a maximum fine of up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Lying on a 4473 is a big deal, especially now when, 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 especially with these networks and their anti-gun agenda, mm-hmm. they want to call for gun control and gun laws. Well, how about enforcement of our existing gun statute? And so you've got Hunter Biden who, who's doing these things and they don't talk about it. They don't talk about the, 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 the details of, of why this happened and why he's facing the federal charges, but they keep it very anodyne. They keep it very, um, you know, very, very nebulous. And the one thing that they did uh, as a cherry on top of this whole fetid Sunday is that they framed the story by saying it is a Trump appointed U.S. attorney yes. that is overseeing the filing of the charges. Yeah, we all know the way that works is that is the Biden and Garland left the Trump appointed U.S. attorney there so he could be seen as not a Biden person. Of course, of course. So that's how that's how it works. You remember when Clinton came on, what did he do? He fired all all 93 U.S. attorneys that had Hillary all over it. Yeah, but that's that's what you do. That's the discretion because U.S. attorneys work at the pleasure of the president. So it's true that this guy was Trump appointed, but Biden could have well got rid of him, but he kept him. Well, you and could yet, tell, you know, I always say you could tell that this guy wasn't some sort of horrible Trump partisan when he'd been investigating Hunter Biden for years and it never came out. It didn't come out when the laptop news broke in October. There was no mention that he was under investigation before the election was over. Now, right. they did an interview on PBS the other night where Devlin Barrett, the guy that broke this story for the Washington Post, incorrectly suggested that voters were learned in October of 2020 that he was under investigation. That is not correct. We learned that in December when Hunter Biden admitted he was under investigation. And even then, as you, as you point out, it's always done in a very sympathetic way where they want to talk about how, well, you know, whenever they ask Joe Biden or Jill Biden about it, it's like, well, he's, he's come pretty far. No joke. He's recovering. It's, you know, it's, it's all done very sympathetically. Now, we've discussed several places in here. Misinformation. Obviously, when the, when the, the Latino lefties are upset that they're losing Latino voters to the Republicans, it can't be because they did something wrong. It must be about misinformation. But you have a rather shocking clip here. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada who nobody's heard of because that's about the imprint she's left. But she has this clip of Adam Laxalt that's very badly, clunkily put together. Listen to this. I think the good news is that now we're a year, a lot of those jobs never came back. A lot of those Hispanic small businesses never reopened. 
So she's making it sound like Mr. Adam Laxalt is cheering for, for unemployment. I mean, this is obviously, you found, not at all accurate. Look, it's, it's, well, the funny thing about Cortez Masto is that this is one of these senators that is calling for, for further investigation of, of speech, for further policing of Spanish language speech on social media and, and elsewhere who, who want the policing and the censorship of primarily conservative, <coughs> excuse me, a primarily conservative Spanish language communication and media. So it's ironic that as she's doing this with the one hand, on the other her hand, the other on the other hand, she's putting out gross disinformation of her own. The fact is, and we went back and looked at this um, because if you look at the ad and you heard the audio, but when you look at it, it's so egregious and so over the top. Like, nah, man, Adam Laxall couldn't have said that. Adam Laxall couldn't have cheered the destruction of Hispanic jobs. And, and businesses and small business, it's so over the top, right? Right. It's so over the top in the sad. But when we went back and looked at it, and and our and we provide this context in our in our coverage that we publish on, on MRC Latino, Laxalt is talking about lockdowns, and Laxalt is talking about how Democrats are in a position where they're going to face accountability for some of these COVID lockdowns and some of the the destruction of these jobs and businesses. And he's very clear about that. And he's very clear about that in, in this podcast interview that he granted back in, in January of 21, I believe. Uh, but the way you, you it's framed, basically, Cortez Masto takes a clip and a half and cobbles them together in the most inflammatory way. And Facebook is allowing it to run. That's the so, un let's underline that. That's that's kind of what makes this item so interesting is that, you know, there's no politico or politifact pants on fire, let's shut this whole down, put the gray screen on it, censor it. Exactly. It, this is, you know, Facebook is is letting it run and they're letting it ride and you know, there's no there's no okay, uh, where's the accountability? Where is the action against Spanish language disinformation, harmful disinformation that is created for the intent and the purpose of influencing the, the vote within the Hispanic community who do not speak English? Therefore, you can take an English language statement, you can clip it up and, and put it back together with crazy glue any which way you want and put it out there. And, it, and that actually causes harm. And face, number one, Facebook is enabling this. Number two, the hypocrisy of somebody who wants to censor other people for disinformation doing this garbage is is egregious. So when we saw this, we, we certainly had to engage it and, and expose it. That's part of what we do at MRC Latino, because th there's this there's this fashionable thing now uh, on the left to talk about Spanish language disinformation. And no, Spanish. There is Spanish language disinformation out there. But it's not coming from where we think it's coming from. Sort of like uh, like, like Obi-Wan in Star Wars. These are not the drones that you're looking for. <laughs> the drones are out there, but these ain't it. <laughs> well, I, I just I thought this was a really important story and people should look it up because 
this is going to be, an, uh, we think, a, a tight Senate race. There may be some of these races that we're looking at where they say, oh, this is very tight. And then on election night, it's a, you know, it's 12 points. It's not close at all because sometimes, as we know, these polls are not accurate. Oh, no! this reminds me of one more thing. One more thing before we go. I don't know if you saw this clip. One of our favorites. Fernand Amandi, the pollster, was suggesting that Dr. Oz was a wannabe serial killer of puppies? Wow. <laughs> I mean, talk about, I mean, that's English language misinformation, but. Uh, <laughs> I let it look, man. I like Amandi, uh, but, but sometimes he, he's a very smart guy. As, as a Florida guy, uh, I've, I've seen some of his work. Amandi is, is a very smart guy, but sometimes a dude will just come off the top rope with with the insane, the most insane, the nuttiest things. Uh, and, and this is one of those things. Well, obviously. I think we, we would just uh, look at that and say, oh, look, the Hispanic Carvel. Uh, even, well, even Carvel. Carvel... Carvel's lost it. Uh, I I saw a clip where he was ragging on DeSantis and 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 trying to rag on DeSantis for the hurricane response and talking about about what Charlie Crist ought to do, and and Carvel's lost it. Uh, the very strong old man yelling at cloud <laughs> energy coming from Gumbo is, is well, the late great Rush Limbaugh used to call him. Some, but uh, yes, he he was. Amandi Amandi is still cogent and and coherent, even if he says some things that are. That are off the top row sometimes. Uh, well, I think we know that if if you said Dr. Fauci was a, a wannabe puppy serial killer, you you would get removed from Facebook. I think that's I think that's quite obvious. And, and given given the Beagle incident, that's it's actually factual. Yeah. So you can't you know it's not at all disinformative, but you know that that goes to show you how 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 insane the, the discourse is on on some of our media. And some of our networks, and really, it's a desperation. Uh, Pennsylvania was supposed to be a race where Fetterman was supposed to run away with it against Oz, and there's a narrowing and there's a tightening. Whatever bounce was manufactured for Joe Biden during the summer didn't take. There was even an admi several admissions, as such, uh, on Sunday TV, uh, on Sunday political TV. And you're seeing a little bit of that sense, a little bit of that desperation in races like Arizona, in races like Nevada, Pennsylvania, in Georgia, which, by the way, were states that were pivotal in the 2020 election. Now you see them coming. This is coming back full circle. And now you see control of the Senate hinging on these states. And it's and we could throw Wisconsin in that mix, too. Sure. Uh, let's not let's not forget the the. The wonderful dairy state. Let, let's not forget that. Jesse that Mandela Barnes. Yeah, we can't forget that state and how important that Senate race is with with Bar with Barnes against Rojo. But uh, well, you see that sense of desperation and that sense of panic in in the media as these races tighten and narrow races that the Democrats were supposed to boat race uh, and win going away. Now you see this narrowing and. Some of, some of what you see in the media is panic and lashing out. And I think you'll see more of that, I think, in the coming days as these polls continue to tighten. Well, this is why people need to come to MRC Latino at Newsbusters. You need to follow Jorge Bonilla on Twitter. Uh, he's got a good Twitter game. It's very amusing. 
Bonilla, B-O-N-I-L-L-A-J-L. You need to get on that if you're not following Jorge, even though he likes the Yankees. We'll let that Thank go. you for that. Thank you for that riveting endorsement, Mr. Grant. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, whether you're coming for MRC Latino, culture, business, big tech, it's all here. Come to us at Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day, and thank you for your support. <laughs>